Hello, and welcome to the Bureau 42 Silver Screen Superheroes podcast. I'm your host, Alex Case, sitting in for Blaine Dowler. This month, we are taking a look at Hellboy, directed by Guillermo del Toro, and which was released in 2004, adapted from the comic book by Mike Mignola, and published by Dark Horse Comics. This gives it, this has a sort of sort of double Pacific Northwest connection. I have mentioned a couple times on this podcast and on the um, the Greatest Science Fiction Film Tournament podcast, I am located in the Pacific Northwest, in particular the state of Oregon, and Dark Horse Comicus is based out of my home state. In fact, my home county is based out of Milwaukee, Oregon. So this is also how my kind of exposure to Hellboy comes up. A lot of Dark Horse Comics end up in trade paperback form, throughout the public library systems of Clackamas County and Washington County and Multnomah County. And I happened to come across a copy of Hellboy Seed of Destruction at my local public library, read it, and thought it was um, fantastic. It is one of the works that kind of got me into the Cthulhu mythos and reading the works of Lovecraft, among other things. Now, where the other Pacific Northwest connection comes in is Oregon, particularly the city of Portland, has what is currently in the Guinness Book of World Records as the largest physical in independent bookstore in the world. That is Powell City of Books. If you are listening to this podcast and you come to our fair city, you should absolutely check out the store. It is a fantastic store. And I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time, in the, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, whenever Guillermo was in town, he would go to Powell City of Books. And Mike Miola, when he was in town, would also do the same thing. Mike probably being in town a little more often because, hey, Dark Horse is his publisher. And they happened to run into each other and basically hit it off in the sense of, oh, I'm a fan of your work and that sort of thing. Each person going the other way. And several things came of this. First is the is Mike Mignola being involved, I believe, in concept design and on several of Del Toro's films prior to the release of Hellboy. I believe um, Blade Two in particular, but also I believe he did some work in Chronos. I know he did the Criterion Collection DVD cover for that film, but that was released after Hellboy. And this led ultimately to getting a Hellboy movie made. Mignola and Del Toro have been trying to get this done for quite some time. And basically, to get this film made... Del Toro agreed to do Blade 2, which is a very good film and discussion to be discussed at a later time when we get to the Blade franchise. And after the Greenlit, there was some there was some discussion over who with the studio over who would play Hellboy. Del Toro and Miola were of the position that the only really good person to play this role is the actor who was cast, Ron Perlman. This doesn't agree with. The studio wanted instead a more bankable star. Vin Diesel to be cast in the role and have him transform as opposed to a big prosthetic process which would make him more of the Incredible Hulk and aside from potential liability issues I feel that this would really miss the point of the character as someone who is very much a outsider of regular life and from, from normal life and there's a certain degree of wanting not necessarily to be, be normal but to be part of the rest of society that is written into the character, and I think that would be missed if that was they took that tack. That said, I could also kind of like the fact that Diesel's shorter 
than Ron Perlman. I could kind of see Vin Diesel doing the role. He doesn't have Ron Perlman's deadpan charm. But I could see it working. But anyway, with Del Toro and Mignola kind of putting their foot down on Perlman, they lost a couple other battles in this film, particularly to the film's budget. Thus, the film is to save money, shot in Eastern Europe, with cities there doubling for New York and New Jersey. The film's promotion budget was also slashed significantly, and this also led to a minor loss related to some casting choices, and particularly related to how the character of Abe Sapien is handled. In the in the comics, um, I should introduce the characters and lead to the whole plot, but the film starts with the World War II and the Nazi occult experiment kind of stuff that is frequently part of sort of the modern pulpish genre. It's the sort of thing which born a lot out of the Indiana Jones films and that sort of thing. In this case, it's an attempt to using some Nazi technology and with the assistance of Grigori Rasputin, who did in fact not die in the 1910s, to summon the Ogru Jihad, which is are not Cthulhu, to help the Nazis crush their enemies and help them win the war. This is thwarted by a young Professor Trevor Broom and a group of team of U.S. soldiers attached to him to help investigate Nazi occult activities. However, the portal is opened briefly for a time, and this allows a being to come through, and that being is young Hellboy, at basically as an infant. Cut to now, 60 years later, and the U.S. government established the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense to handle things that go bump in the night, and as adult Trevor Broom puts it, bump back. Now, young Professor Broom is played by Kevin Trainer, T-R-A-I-N-O-R, or maybe Trainor, who has had a fairly slight cast list. This is his second film role. Is since gone on to be on episodes of Sherlock, episodes of the TV series of The Cafe, and one episode of the British crime series Endeavor, which is a prequel to Inspector Morse. Adult Trevor Broom is an actor who we have seen before, discussed in the Greatest Science Fiction Film Tournament podcast, and that is John Hurt. Hurt has been alien, Hurt has been in the BBC television series, a miniseries I, Claudius, playing Caligula. He is in Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy. He's bit, he is the war doctor on Doctor Who. He has a ton of major roles on his castlet, on his filmography. He is one of the names to know in speculative fiction, in film. He is a, he is a big name in acting. So, with the BPRD, um, Hellboy is basically sort of been acting in the shadows. In the film, he is written, he is essentially an urban legend. In fact, the sort of montage we get through the opening credits of Hellboy through the years references a lot of things out of urban legend lore and uh, cryptozoology. We have footage of Hellboy walking that looks like the famous Bigfoot film footage. We have a mock-up cover from the Weekly World News, which has Hellboy sort of as Bat Boy and that sort of thing. And this goes, and so forth and so on. We then come to now, and the film opens with the first of the debunkings of 
not the first thing I read, but the debunking of Hellboy by the head of the, not the head of the FBI, but the FBI liaison to the BPRD. And that is Tom Manning, played by Jeffrey Tambor. Tambor is probably well known to you if you've seen Arrested Development, where he's a major player on the actor on the show, but he's a major character. He's been in The Hangover. He's been in episodes of Law and Order SVU and so forth. Currently, Arrested Development is his biggest, most recognizable role. And lots of other stuff, Archer. And we see him on um, TV news footage from a um, on a TV in a shop window, which that's really not a thing you see so much anymore. TVs in shop windows that are playing news footage. Um, or at least it doesn't come up much in Oregon. I don't know. Jo um, the reason we see this in this window is Trevor Broom is leaving his doctor's appointment where he's basically learned he has terminal cancer and he has six weeks to live. And so he has to get his affairs in order. Meanwhile, we have our audience perspective characters introduced following immediately following this um, denial, which is John Myers, played by Rupert Evans. Evans is a very fresh-faced British actor who I originally mistook for... I forget, I'm feel bad for the actor's name. He's in Lucky Number Slevin. He was in Sin City. And that is Josh Harnett. So I at first mistook Rupert Evans for Josh Harnett. He has actually been in a few other things, which I haven't actually seen. He had a guest appearance on Lex. He'd been in TV shows such as The Palace, where he played Richard IV. He was in the television series World Without End. Lots of TV roles, primarily British. His most recent work was in the Man in the High Castle Amazon Prime television series, playing the character of Frank Freak. I haven't seen that series, so I can't say how significant that character is in the course of the show. And for the course of the film, the character of Myers will be, again, our audience perspective character into the inner workings of the BPRD. He is the reason that we will have things explained to us in terms of who and what Hellboy is, who the rest of the BPRD are, and people to explain their interpersonal relationships to. The character of Myers was to a certain degree character imposed on the filmmakers by the studio, but I think he kind of works. Some of the things he has to have explained to him are unnecessary, but stuff like having the backstory to Hape Sapien explained to him, that makes sense. Someone to have Liz Sherman's personnel file explained to him, and need to look up her personnel file so we can get her a brief capsule of her origin story, that makes sense. I can buy some of that, because Trevor Broom doesn't need this explained to him. Certainly Hellboy doesn't need this explained to him. Not even Hellboy's other handler, who kind of plays his... the, the straight man to all the other special people, and specialists, for lack of a term, the, the powered individuals in the BPRD, Agent Clay doesn't really need the explanation to him. He's been with the Bureau for a while. So, I can buy that. This portion as well, we're also introduced to, not introduced, but we see two other characters from World War II who, in the World War II flashback sequence, were granted, who either were granted eternal life and youth or have developed it through technology over the course of the film, over the course of the, the spanning years. And those are Ilse Helpschnein, played by Biddy Hudson, and... The Nazi assassin, Karl Rupert Cronin. Obviously, he's played by Biddy Hodson, who was in the Mist of Avalon television series. She was in a couple episodes of Doctor Who, 
2008, and a few other roles. Again, primarily British television, with like The Mist of Avalon being the big exception because it was a Western-produced TV miniseries. And Cronin is played by Ladislav Berdan in an entirely physical performance with some prosthetic work. And he does an incredibly good job. <clears throat> he had a one-off unspoken role in Blade 2. He has, other than that, his credits, a bunch of little one-off things. And some fight choreography work for Hellboy, but along with some stuff in Blade 2. But that's otherwise pretty much it. It's a very, it's a very, very small filmmaking um, credit list of credits. And with the excellent work he does with the physical performance as Cronin here, I, it's kind of surprising that he hasn't done more horror work. It's He is one of those things where he pulls off being creepy and kind of unnerving in his physical movements in such a way that it would work that you'd think he'd have more work in the horror genre in film. Even if he's not like on camera, even if he's not being a physical, playing a supernatural being. I mean, that said, his background's in choreography, so it makes sense. It's choreography, a big chunk of that is knowing how to move and showing people, being able to show people how you want people to move and having that, that physical level of control. But still... And from there, we're slowly introduced to the other two members of the team. There are the two um, supernatural beings. There is Abe Sapien and Liz Sherman. Liz Sherman is a pyrokinetic who we're actually introduced basically, introduced basically last. And she's played by Selma Blair, who plays her in a very sedate, sedated manner, which makes sense. She is, it's implied that she's under heavy sedation to keep her pyrokinetic abilities in check. And it, it works. Blair has been... In various works, she's been in The Fog, the 2005 remake. She's been in Cruel, Intent, uh, Cruel Intentions. She was guest in an episode of uh, Friends, various TV work. Since Hellboy, she's gone on to do various TV work. She was on a guest in an episode of Portlandia, bringing back the Portland connection, and had a significant role in the television series Anger Management, different from the film starring Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson. And last but certainly not least is the character of Abe Sapien, who is a dual role in this film that will change for the sequel. Physically, Abe Sapien is played by Doug Jones, who has collaborated frequently with uh, Guillermo del Toro before and will again in the future. However, the studio wanted another bankable actor on this film. And so they wanted a name actor to be the voice for Hellboy, and they picked David Hyde Pierce. Hyde Pierce is probably best known for his work on Frasier as the character of Niles Crane, and has also since gone on to do guest appearances on Simpsons, um, The Good Wife, various other roles. However, of note in this is while this is an insist while the studio insisted on this, David Hyde Pierce was so impressed with Doug Jones' performance and indeed took cues from his acting from Jones' performance that he insisted that Jones not receive... That, that Jones be the only credited actor as Abe Sapien. That he, Pierce, would not get a credit for the role, even though he did the voice, because he was basic, because basically Sapien is Doug Jones' role and Pierce was just taking his cues from him and 
imitating his role just with his own voice because the studio insisted on it. And I should probably also mention, of course, since I've brought up Rasputin, I should bring up the actor who plays Rasputin, Carl O'Carell Rodin. Rodin has, again, a fairly substantial cast listing in his background. He also was in Blade 2, along with several of the actors from Hellboy. He played uh, Conan, a vampire elder, basically. Conan is the lawyer to the antagonist of Blade 2. Whereas here we're going to get to see him in his full sort of acting ability, playing Rasputin. He also spends a significant chunk of the film, not all the film, but not insignificant chunk of the film shirtless, and he is a very ripped man. A ripped man who is also a very good actor, good actor so kind of the total package there. Most of his credits are in Eastern European cinema. The couple roles which would have made note in the West, again, Blade Two. He had an appearance, he was in the film Bulletproof Monk. He also did a voice in Grand Theft Auto 4. So, the plot of the film has, from here on, focuses on the present day with a plot by Rasputin, Cronin, and Hauptstein to, once again, bring back and awaken the Ogru Jihad and unleash them on Earth, now using Hellboy, which... Uh, subsequent viewings kind of clear that it's that this is a case of um, Rasputin playing the long game. That it's unlikely that the Agru Jihad would have been awakened right away in the ritual that he had in mind, that Rasputin performed in the uh, during World War II, and that Hellboy is what was needed to actually accomplish the ritual. Meanwhile, Hellboy is investigating and taking on. These, this being called Samael, which can resurrect multiple ones or, or produce multiple ones of itself after each one is killed. So it, it lets them get a lot of mileage af, af, out of one character design and one or two sets of puppets. And there's a lot of practical effects here in this film in particular with both practical versions of Samael, as well as CGI versions for some particular shots that couldn't work otherwise. So, probably the best parts of this film, in terms of acting performances and that sort of thing, without getting too much into the gritty of plot, blow by blow, Ron Perlman is Hellboy. It, this is kind of the, the whole classic movie trailer thing of so-and-so is so-and-so, but Ron Perlman really embraces the role. Perlman has been in tons of B-movie one-off roles, and he's certainly one of those actors who could not phone it in even if he tried. He, The worst that would happen is instead of phoning it in, he'd just ham it up and still be glorious in that way. But when the role of Hellboy, Perlman just owns the role. He loves it. He loves being this character, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, several years ago... For the Make-A-Wish Foundation, there was a person, a young person who wanted to meet Hellboy, and Perlman went through the makeup once again to come to this kid at the hospital, this cancer patient, as Hellboy. And he's said more than a few times that if the funding comes together to get Hellboy 3 made, he's up for it, and certainly Guillermo del Toro is up for it. The... Rest of the cast is, is great. David Hyde Pierce and Doug Jones's combined performance is good. Is good. Jones himself would definitely be better if he was occupying the entire role. 
having seen him in Hellboy 2, having listened to his voice performances as Abe Sapien in the Hellboy animated films, he's absolutely perfect for the role. I wish he'd just kind of been able to own the role from the very beginning. Jeffrey Tanboy's character is gloriously obnoxious. Excellent performance there. The film also fared very well in terms of the critical response to the movie. Ebert gave the film three and a half stars. The movie has a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes with an average review score of 81%. It was also nominated for four Saturn Awards the year the film came out, including um, Best Fantasy Film and Best Makeup. Within like the same year the film came out, the film also got two DVD releases, a two-disc special edition release, and then the unrated director's cut edition with the new director's commentary track, and a composer commentary track, and a cast video commentary. It also had uh, several extended scenes, which are alright, nothing absolutely necessary, but it does clear some things up and remove some unnecessary location subtitles. Now, as far as the film fared at the box office, as we've gone over before, what a film on average needs to, in general, to to, to be considered successful as rule of thumb, is it makes twice its budget back in order to be financially successful. Now, Hellboy's estimated production budget was $66 million. Its domestic total gross is $59,623,000. So, so approximately $60 million. Not quite there. Include foreign gross, you get a total worldwide gross of... 90 of approximately 99 million dollars still not quite the 121 approximately million dollars that you need like 131 million that you need however i do not believe box office mojo counts dvd sales and considering how recent how, how promptly the dvd sales came out it is entirely possible that that the dvd sales gave it a boost and pushed it over enough that we got the sequel greenlit. Because certainly, the film did well critically. If with your total gross in the, the in the box office, plus your DVD gross is enough to get you profitable, that can get you your sequel. So, as I said, this, I enjoy this film significantly. It is a very good work of superhero cinema, and is very true to the comic, to the spirit, and not just the letter of the comic. And the character is really well represented. And next month we will do the second Hellboy film, and currently the last, unless we get the announcement of a Hellboy 3 between then and now, where we take a look at Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Thank you very much for watching. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review the show on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your podcatching site of choice is, or podcast application site of choice is. And please check out our other wonderful sh- wonderful shows on Bureau 42. There is the um, Avengers podcast, or the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvel Countdown podcast, hosted by Blaine Dowler, which is approaching its conclusion as we reach the number one ranked event on Marvel Comics' poll. We have the Comic Book Physics podcast, also hosted by Blaine, which thus far has been focusing on comic book physics stuff that is featured in the comics in question of the poll. And there is also the X-Files Retrospective podcast, still currently ongoing. Check all those out, or just subscribe to the Bureau 42 Master Podcast audio feed, which will have everything that we put out, 
when it comes out. So until next time, thank you very much for watching or listening or however it is that you are consuming this podcast. And we will see you then.